today's sermon from our weekly worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. Our New Testament reading is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 19. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The word of the Lord. The gospel reading is written in the New Testament book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. 
Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. So today we hear the story about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. The rich man was a guy dressed up in fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day and lived a pretty good life. Now, I feel a little attacked in this story, you could say, because I kind of feel like he's talking about me here a bit. Maybe this is true for you too. Does this story hit a bit close to home? Um, as we, uh, whether you're sitting here in the sanctuary or watching or listening online, does this story kind of make you a little squirmish a bit? I mean, I have decent clothing. I don't run the risk of going hungry um, for a very long time. Um, I have things good right now. And the rich man in this parable which I should remind us all, this isn't a story of something that actually happened. This is a parable. It's just a story that Jesus made up to emphasize um, what, it, uh, what it was that he was witnessing going on in the world around him. This story is good news for the poor and those who are suffering. And it's a word of challenge for those of us who have and who would, by most descriptions, be wealthy. And that's okay. That's what scripture does but we have to wrestle with that today. So, in the text that we have in our Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been out roaming around the countryside and teaching in different cities and different places where he has seen the hypocrisy of those very religious people, and he has chastised them, and they in turn are not very happy with him. The religious leaders condemn him for eating with sinners and tax collectors and for fraternizing with those people. And Jesus goes on to tell parables and stories that show their own hypocrisy. Like we've heard in the last few weeks, we heard Jesus in the parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep, where he reminded people that God cares deeply for those who are lost or on the outside. Jesus has a lot to say about those who are suffering or lost or on the outside. He has a lot of things to say also about those who are throwing parties and banquets. Remember some of these other parables that Jesus has told about not sitting yourself at the place of honor or making sure that everyone gets invited to the feast, um, not just your friends and wealthy people. So we can imagine that Jesus has been going around and that he has witnessed the disparity of wealth um, the people who have feasting sumptuously while those who have not are at their doorsteps suffering. We can imagine that Jesus has witnessed these things because it still happens today. It happened 2,000 years ago as well. Now, I was reading up about this text, and I did learn something, that this practice of those who were in need or who uh, were sick um, sitting outside the doors of wealthy people was actually common practice. Actually, there was often a bench outside the homes 
of the wealthy where poor could come and wait for assistance, a beggar who sat on this bench at the gate could expect some sort of attention, especially from the, when there was a feast or something going on. It was considered um, just practice and part of being a good member of society to share at least the scraps with those who were outside waiting on those benches. And even when they were excavating uh, the site in Pompeii, they have discovered these benches outside of the wealthy people's courtyards. So it's something that happened in this story then that Jesus is telling is all the more kind of real and makes sense. And we see another level then of this rich guy who doesn't share because even when he feasts every day, he doesn't share even the scraps with Lazarus at the door. So thinking about this then highlights the neglect of this rich man to the needs of Lazarus and really helping contribute to his death. The rich guy is so focused on himself, in fact, that even when he dies and he is down um, suffering, he tries to assert his authority over Abraham and Lazarus, asking them to serve him by bringing him a finger drop of water. The rich man is so focused on himself in life that even in death, he can't stop focusing on himself. Now, let's look at the other reading that we have as we think about wealth and the struggle that we might have. We have this, uh, the letter from Timothy in the sixth chapter. Timothy is getting a lesson in the dangers of focusing on wealth, kind of connects to our gospel story. And the author of the letter, probably not Paul himself, but someone speaking on Paul's behalf says this, for we brought nothing into this world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these things. But those who want to be rich fall in temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. This was written 2,000-ish years ago but it speaks so true for today as well. We brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing with us when we die. So true, no matter how technologically advanced we get or anything like that, we still can't take it with us. And we also, in this text, hear again the idea that wealth and the focus of money and the, uh, brings with it a great temptation that leads to ruin and destruction. Do we see that in any place in our world today? Have we experienced it ourselves? That lure to have more and to get more? Well, at the end of our reading in Timothy, we have some uh, instructions for those who are rich in this age. I think it again kind of speaks maybe to us. The author of Timothy says this, As for those who in this present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. 
By doing this, they can take hold of the life that really is life. Followers of Jesus cannot find their hope or their identity in their wealth. Our money cannot and does not save us, and we know that. We know and we trust through faith that our salvation and the life that comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ is not something we earn or buy or by any action of our own, something we acquire. It is a gift. That is the good news of the gospel. We are set free from the destruction and fear that can come with riches because the riches really don't matter. Followers of Jesus know that we didn't earn any of the things that we have, but rather it is God who has richly provided what we do have. And so then, we don't have to strive for it to earn it. It is free for us to have and then also free for us to share. And when we unlock that and begin living that, we discover the life that truly is life. Now, can we have financial resources and still follow Jesus? Yes. But how can we focus on generosity over hoarding when the world constantly tells us that we need more and more and more? Is there a balance in that? I think that's where the tension and the wrestling comes in. I don't have a perfect answer, but I think being aware of where my focus is can be a really good starting place. Am I focusing only on myself and taking care of me, or am I holding my wealth and my riches and that which I have loosely, opening up myself for the Spirit to use me and my stuff for whatever purposes the Spirit sees fit? That is the question. Now, I heard a story once about a guy who came to the pastor complaining about people being on their phones in worship, not singing the hymns, whispering to each others during the prayers of the church, bringing their crying babies to worship, people being stingy with their offering when the plates came around, and even that some were falling asleep during the pastor's sermon. So the pastor handed the guy a plate. And then the pastor handed this guy a cup of wildflower seeds. And he told this guy, or the pastor, she told this guy to bring this plate and this cup of seeds with him to the outdoor worship service next week. She told the guy to pour as many seeds on the plate as possible and to then carry it with him throughout the whole service. Sorry, Jeremiah, you have a little vacuuming here. I did not measure this before I did this. So the guy did this. He showed up to worship the next week with his plate, and he poured all the whole cup of wildflower seeds onto it, and then he went to worship. He sang the hymns, and he listened to the sermon, but the whole time, all he could do was hold this plate and focus on it. So the guy did this, 
And as he did this, he discovered that the seed often slid off the plate whenever he would stand up for the hymns or anything. And that whenever a wind would come, lots of the seed would go flying wither and to wherever it may be. He even would take his hand and try to hold the seeds onto the plate during this worship service. But by the end, I'm not going to do this for the sake of Jeremiah, the plate was pretty much empty. And then the next day, the grumpy guy was back in the pastor's office with the plate and the few remaining seeds that he had. The pastor asked the guy what he noticed. Like, did he notice any of the people talking or falling asleep or being on their phones? And the guy said he couldn't notice a thing about anybody doing anything because he was too focused on not spilling the seeds on the plate. Well, and the pastor, she said something like this. You know, we can choose where we place our focus. When you have something else to focus on, it's pretty hard to be annoyed or distracted by that which others are doing. And the guy refuted, but basically I lost the whole bag of seed during this little experiment of mine, and I only have a little bit left now. And the pastor said, you didn't lose any of the seed. They have now been planted right out there wherever God wanted them to be, and you still have more than enough seed left to go home and plant it in your yard too. And when you need more seeds, in fact, mister, you can come back because it just turns out that God happens to have an endless supply of seeds for us to use. There's always more. So the guy left with something to think about. And I think that gives us something to think about. And I think it's twofold. I think one, it's where do we place our focus. For the rich man in our parable, the rich man's focus was on his wealth and feasting sumptuously and not caring about anybody else. I know I can fall into that trap pretty easily too. And I think the second lesson in this little story that we have is that we can hold that which we have a bit loosely. We can share and be generous. We don't have to hoard just for ourselves, but rather we can be open allowing God to use us and our resources for God's purposes. Those seeds that we may not fully understand happening, they might be used for something really big and we may never even know. But there's always more. God can always refill our plate with more blessings and more things, especially when we hold it open for God to use. So friends in Christ, when it comes to our wealth, let us focus on being grateful for that which God has provided for us and allow us then to open ourselves up, ourselves and our stuff up to be used by God for the sake of the gospel. Thanks be to God. Amen.